You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I am your host, Steph, and today we're going to be doing part two of my 49ers Seahawks preview. Today, I'm going to be previewing the 49ers offense and how they match up against the Seahawks defense. So we're going to go through all of the the different matchups, all of the position groups and see um, what's favorable, what's what isn't for this 49ers offense. So we're going to talk all about it. But first, let's talk about some of these uh, all pro selections that we officially got today. Uh, of course, Nick Bosa is one of them. Trent Williams, Teleno Funga, and Fred Warner. Congratulations to all these four players. Absolutely deserved. Um, and, uh, I mean, just incredible season. I believe the 49ers had – they tied with the Chiefs for most uh, all-pro selections. So that tells you just how stacked they are. Um, and for second-team all-pros – George Kittle and George Odom. George Odom made it as a uh, special teams player. And where does that leave Greenlaw and Christian McCaffrey? Well, they were both snubbed from All-Pro. I will say this. I think Christian McCaffrey, and, and kind of the same thing for the Pro Bowl, right? I think because he wasn't with the 49ers all season, uh, he was it was a little quiet out there in Carolina, not because he wasn't still good, but because the Panthers, you know, didn't get as much attention. What Christian McCaffrey does often goes under the radar, even though he's always a good player. Um, I think next season with a full season in San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey is going to be he should be um, first all team for uh, or all pro, I should say. And then Greenlaw, I mean, Greenlaw has been getting snubbed left and right. He First, he got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Um, that's one thing. I mean, the Pro Bowl is a popularity contest anyway, so that's whatever. But I absolutely feel like Dre Greenlaw deserved to be in consideration for All-Pro at least second team. He missed second team by one vote. Um, so unfortunate for him. Unfortunately, or fortunately for us, though, Dre Greenlaw – now going to be going in the playoffs with a little bit of anger, you know, little little chip on his shoulder. Both of these guys really are going to be playing with the chip on their shoulder, I think, uh, for being forgotten in, in both of these uh, uh, voting, All-Pro and Pro Bowl. So, you know, I think that they're gonna they're gonna play with some extra fire in the playoffs, as as will most of the guys on this team, you know. All right, well... Let's let's get into talk about this game now. Let's look at the injury report for both teams. If you guys watched my live yesterday, it was all about the weather and how the rain might impact this game. That's also a great video to check out if you haven't yet after this. Um, but of course, let's go through the uh, injury designations for both teams. For the 49ers, it's just Jimmy Garoppolo and Ambry Thomas. That is it for the players who are going to be out. For the Seahawks, they didn't list anyone as out or doubtful. They have four players listed as questionable. Defensive tackle Al Woods, defensive tackle Shelby Harris, and a couple of uh, backup players, backup corner and a backup guard, Phil Haynes. So um, relatively healthy for both of these teams. 
that's good. That's what we want to see in the playoffs, uh, a fair fight. So let's talk about the Seahawks defense, all right, and how they have performed throughout this season. They are seventh in sack percentage, ninth in takeaways per game. Uh, so actually, right off the bat, these are kind of surprising to me because, you know, I think we we see the uh, Seahawks defense as being somewhat weak. And so seeing that they actually do get after the quarterback, they have a pretty high sack percentage uh, is a bit surprising if if you don't look at the stats. And of course, uh, they're ninth in takeaways per game. So that's something to consider in this matchup because it will be rainy. Uh, the rainy, wet conditions could lead to some turnovers uh, for both teams. And so the Seahawks already being ninth in takeaways per game, that could be something to look at. Uh, in this game. They're also 10th in opponent completion percentage, 13th in passing yards allowed per game. So right off the bat, it looks like uh, their strength would be defending against the pass. Uh, they're 23rd in first downs allowed per game. They're 24th in red zone scoring percentage, 25th in points allowed per game. So now we're getting to the bottom tier things that they're not very good at. 26 in touchdowns allowed per game, 26 in total yards allowed per game. And here we go. This is this is the kicker here. 26th in average rushing yards per carry, 27th in third down conversion percentage allowed, and 30th in rushing yards allowed per game. So their weakness is defending the run. You see these last three, um, I think, correlate very closely because if you're giving up an average of 4.9 yards per carry, I mean, it's going to be easy for your opponents to convert their downs. They'll probably have third and short situations. They'll have a lot of first downs, things like that. So um, not good at defending the run. And 27th and third down conversion percentage. I've mentioned that the 49ers um, are middle of the pack with their offense in third down conversion. So this, this could be a, a good opportunity for them in this game. Now, let's look at the Battle of the Trenches, all right? Uh, some good matchups here. But, you know, these teams have met each other twice already this season. So let's look at how they did um, earlier in the year. Seahawks defensive line uh, against San Francisco. They played each other week two and week 15. Week two, of course, it's very early in the season. You're still trying to figure some things out. And week 15, you pretty much are who you are at that point. And uh, you may have gotten better at some things. You may have gotten worse at some things. So the big stark difference at times between week two and week 15. So let's look at it right here. A couple guys that I wanted to highlight is um, Al Woods. He's he's one of their uh interior defenders and he has a big presence in the middle he's great at defending the run so in week 15 he did not play but in week two he had one pressure one hurry uh he batted a pass and also keep in mind week two it was Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback for the most part. Trey Lance started that game, but that was the game he got hurt. So Jimmy Garoppolo finished that game. So keep that in mind when you look at the difference between week two and week 15. In week 15, it was Brock Purdy. So in week two, Al Woods, uh, six tackles and five stops. Typically, uh, stops would uh, count for like uh, run plays and, and things like that. So Al Woods, 
a big presence for the Seahawks defensive line. And Uchenna Nwosu, he is their best pass rusher. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes um, in the in week 15. I think I mentioned this uh, for the Seahawks. Look, in week two, he had five pressures, three quarterback hits, two hurries. He batted a pass as well. He had three tackles and one stop. In week 15, two pressures, two hurries, six tackles, and five stops. So um, not as many pressures in week 15, but still, I think, you know, you have to keep in mind Nwosu is uh, one of the better guys on the Seahawks defensive line. So keep an eye on these two guys um, in tomorrow's game. I think, you know, we could see a good game. And, I mean, maybe if the 49ers offensive line are able to stop these guys, that will be key. So keep an eye on those matchups. Who are they going to be matching up against? Well, uh, for context on how this is ordered, Bruce Irvin, who's at the top of the list, will be lining up mostly against uh, Trent Williams. And Nwosu will be lining up mostly against... Uh, Mike McGlinchey. So that's uh, that's how they they kind of line up against each other. Let's look at how the 49ers uh, offensive line. Sorry, this is a typo here, but that should say 49ers OL versus uh, Seattle. So the offensive line, how do they do in week two and week 15? Uh, Trent Williams, of course, he's been a model of consistency. Really, both Trent and Aaron Banks in both games gave up just one pressure and one hurry, both in week two and week 15. They had the same exact stats. Jake Brendel had a clean sheet. This is all per PFF, of course. Um, clean sheet in week two. In week 15, he gave up one pressure and one sack. Spencer Burford had a clean sheet in both games. And uh, Mike McGlinchey, clean sheet in both games as well. Now you might be thinking to yourself, uh, well, if they had all these pressures and, and they got, you know, uh, why aren't these pressures for the Seahawks defensive line, not showing up for the 49ers offensive line. That doesn't really make sense. Um, I agree. I think that's just one of those weird PFF things, but uh, I am just showing you guys the facts and, and what uh, is listed on uh, PFF. Hey, thanks guys for being in the comments. We have uh we have uh Melissa in the comments. Thank you for for being on. Um what's up Steph? Good to see you. Good to see you too. And uh make sure you guys like this video and as some say, debo that like button. Uh make sure you give it a convincing like uh if you can. Appreciate it. All right, let's talk about back to the Seattle defense. Let's see how they defend against uh tight ends, all right? They allow an average of 7.6 targets, 4.8 receptions, 69.2 yards per game, two tight ends. For the most part, like I would consider them to be a good team, like defending against, uh, you know, the the uh, run. Uh, sorry, uh, against tight ends. But um, I feel like George Kittle has been able to expose them a little bit, at least in week 15 he did. He had two touchdowns, and most of that came in yards after the catch. You could see this picture here of George Kittle smiling like a child uh, because he was well on his way to a touchdown there. Five targets, four catches, 29 yards, so short, short passes, but um, that were able to get touchdowns. And keep in mind, I'll mention this later as well, but keep in mind that Brock Purdy in that week 15 game, he was dealing with his oblique injury. He was uh, 
limited to an extent by that. You know, he was able to still run the offense, I, I thought, pretty efficiently. But th- I think there were some things that he even admitted he was limited by. So keep that in mind. I think that's why, you know, George Kittle was a focal point of, of the game for uh, the 49ers in that one because, you know, tight ends, when you can't throw very far, uh, tight ends are the place to go oftentimes as well as like your running back. So I think that's why Kittle uh, kind of uh, had a good game. And that that pretty much uh, that kind of sprung George Kittle's uh, multi-week, uh, you know, run that he has going on now. He, he's been pretty since that game. He he's had a lot of uh, touchdowns and I'll I'll actually mention that I don't know why I didn't mention that earlier but since week 15 last four games 25 targets 18 catches 265 yards nearly half of those are yards after the catch or pretty much half of those were after the catch seven touchdowns in the last four games this is he's on an absolute tear Uh, there's just no other way to describe it with George Kittle and I think like I said that week 15 game uh, against the Seahawks kind of catapulted this chemistry and in, in this rapport between Brock Purdy and George Kittle. And so it, it's been a beautiful thing to watch in these last few weeks to, to see that flourish and, and continue. So let's see these Seattle uh, linebackers and how they defend or how they did against the 49ers back in week two and week 15. So Cody Barton, that's one of their linebackers. Back in week two, he had five tackles, four stops. Uh, he gave up 57 yards in his coverage and a touchdown. In week 15, he did a little better. Four tackles, three stops, um, only 11 yards in his coverage, but he did miss two miss. He did miss two tackles, so um, something to consider there. And with the rain being a factor, we could see a lot of missed tackles in this game, maybe uncharacteristic tackles even, missed tackles even. So um, something to consider as you watch. It it might be a little frustrating watching from our couch. But uh, Jordan Brooks, so back in week two, he had uh, eight tackles, five stops. He had a missed tackle. He gave up 15 yards in week two. Week 15, four tackles, two stops. 45 yards in his coverage and a touchdown. I believe that at least one of those was the George Kittle touchdown. So Jordan Brooks, the the one caveat to that is he was placed on IR not too long ago. Jordan Brooks, of course, the Seahawks leading tackler. So they they are missing him. Now they have Tanner Muse. You know, I was trying to find out more about Tanner Muse for the show, right? And I, I was uh, doing some digging uh, it, it seems like Seahawks fans like Tanner Muse. It seems like he's playing well from from their perspective. Uh, he didn't play in week two. Obviously, he wasn't a starter. In week 15 uh, against the Niners, he didn't start. You know, he had one tackle and one stop. So there isn't much of a uh, sample size for me to really judge Tanner Muse on. I, I don't really know what to expect. All I know is that some Seahawks fans are pleased with how he has played um, in Jordan Brooks' absence. So that that's all I can say about that. But uh, I think there's some opportunity here. I feel like uh, in Week 15, Kyle Shanahan was able to exploit some of the matchups against these linebackers. So could be something that we see again in this game. 
Yeah, as Steph here in the comments says, this is the Kittle we love to see. Absolutely. Um, you know, going back to the slide of of his last four games, he's just been um, on fire. And who knows, maybe the fact that George Kittle has been so on fire the last few weeks, you got to imagine that the Seattle defense is going to key in on George Kittle in this game. They have to because he's been responsible for many of the 49ers touchdowns these last few weeks he's been a bit of a comfort uh you know safety net for Brock Purdy these last few weeks so I think Seattle defense in taking George Kittle away they are gonna feel like you know let's let's force Brock Purdy to throw somewhere else let's force him to throw a touchdown somewhere else uh, and see what that does for them. So I would not be surprised if George Kittle uh, is defended or, you know, if they try to sell out to stop George Kittle a little bit better. Now, that's that's very difficult. That's a very tricky game to play because with this offense, there's so many uh, good pieces on this offense. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about some of those guys. We'll talk about the wide receivers here in a bit, but that's tricky because – if you key in on George Kittle, there's another guy who who can very well make a touchdown, make a play as well. So um, that that's just the gamble that the Seahawks defense are kind of up against going up uh, against George Kittle in this one and how good he's been these last few weeks. And I would imagine that Kyle Shanahan already has a counter in mind because you got to think it's only a matter of time before a defense tries to take away George Kittle uh, from the game plan. So you got to have a counter ready. I expect uh, Kyle Shanahan to to have that in in the back of his hand. So Seahawks defense against wide receivers. Let's see it. They're allowing an average of 17 targets, 10 receptions, 117.4 yards to opposing teams wide receiver unit. That's the entire unit. Okay. So all of the wide receivers combined on one team, this is what they're allowing, um, which isn't that much. So, uh, there and like I mentioned in the rankings slide, let's see. Let me let me try to get back to that one. So they are tenth in opponent completion percentage, thirteenth in passing yards allowed per game. So one of their strong suits is defending against uh, the pass. So something to to consider um, in this game, but that's okay. That that's okay because. The 49ers do have the Yak family. It's not just the Yak bros anymore, okay? It isn't. It's expanded. It, it's a it's a brotherhood at this point. The Yak family, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk are all in the top, I believe, like 50 of uh, – yeah, they're – wait, that can't – oh, I, I think – okay – Brandon Ayuk should be 38th. So they're both in, they're all in the top 40 of yards after the catch rankings um, from team or players that have played at least, uh, I think 50% of their snaps. So Christian McCaffrey, 706 yards. He ranks second in yards after the catch among all pass catchers. Debo Samuel, 499 yards this season. That is even with all the games that he's missed. He's still tied for 12th in yards after the catch this season, George Kittle, 388 yards. He ranks 34th 
um, in yards after the catch. And finally, Brandon Ayuk, 370 yards. He ranks 38th. Excuse the typo. Look, why am I bringing this up? Because the Seahawks have allowed the fourth most yards after the catch this season. So this is quite important for this game because especially with the rain, especially given the fact that if it's a rainy game, you're not throwing deep. You're going to try to get some quick short yardage intermediate throws going and you're going to have your playmakers do the rest. The 49ers are no stranger to this. As you can see, they have a lot of guys who can, who are capable of, of getting a lot of yards after the catch. So this is great for the 49ers. It's not so good for the Seahawks. They have to clean that up if they want a chance of winning this game, because you can bet your ass that 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, they're going to emphasize getting yards after the catch. So something to consider. Now let's talk about the Seahawks corners, because like I said, one of their positives uh, for the Seahawks is them being able to defend against the pass. It's one of the things that are better at. And why is that? Because they have um, some solid corners that they drafted this season. Uh, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, their nickel corner, are rookies. And Tariq Woolen just looks like he's going to be a star, uh, in all honesty. And I know we hate to hear that, but it, it's just the truth. So in week two, he allowed three catches, 37 yards in his coverage. In week 15, he allowed just one catch, but it was a 54-yard touchdown. Uh, so he hasn't had the good games that he's had against others, against the Niners, but he is still a very good corner and a big threat for interceptions. He has nine interceptions this season, still tied first, although his last one was in week 13. So he hasn't had an interception in, in five straight games. And so I don't know. Is this the game he gets one? I, I hope not. Uh, but the 49ers have to make sure they take care of the football, especially Brock Purdy, because Tariq Woolen, I think, is going to be looking for one. And uh, he's tied for ninth with nine pass breakups. So is their other outside corner, Michael Jackson. Uh, also has nine pass breakups. In week two, he allowed one catch, eight yards in his coverage. He also had five tackles and two stops. So he's involved in the run game as well, uh, run defense. Uh, he did miss one tackle in, in uh, week two. In week 15, he allowed four catches, 67 yards. So gave up a little uh, more yardage there. But he also had five tackles. So like I said, involved in run defense. Kobe Bryant, the other uh, corner I was talking about, who's uh, a rookie, not as good as Tariq Woolen, but you know, not he's not terrible. Uh, he in week two he allowed four catches, thirty three yards, four tackles, two stops. He had one forced fumble. I believe that was the one that Debo committed. The he fumbled back in week two, um, and so that was because of Kobe Bryant uh, and two penalties in that game as well. Week two, you know, you're a rookie. It's your second game in the league. Uh, there, you know, mistakes happen. So I think that could have been the the thing for Kobe Bryant in that one. He also had three missed tackles in week 15, a much better performance from him. One catch allowed eight yards. So, you know, I and with the rain, you know, I'm not thinking this is going to be a big passing game for either team, at least not a big 
splash play passing for for either team because of the weather, because of the conditions. So I, I think it's it's going to be safer to run the football. But I'll talk more about that in a bit. We talk about the Seahawks safeties because they're actually pretty solid as well. Um, in week two, Quandre Diggs, uh, he had six tackles um, and one stop. In week 15, uh, he filled up the stat sheet a little bit more. Six tackles, one pressure, one quarterback hit, didn't allow any catches in his coverage. He also had one pass breakup. He ranks ninth in completion percentage allowed, as in he's allowing the ninth least uh, completion percentage in his coverage among uh, I believe all defenders, not just safety. So he's allowing just 47.6% completion in his coverage. Ryan Neal, he, he's the other safety in week two. He didn't start uh, in, so in week 15, he did start against the Niners. He had five tackles, two stops. He also had two missed tackles. Uh, so that could be something to keep an eye on. Two catches, 13 yards allowed. He also had a bat. Uh, pass breakup. He ranks seventh in PFF coverage grades among all defenders. So, you know, PFF regards him very highly. And one thing to keep an eye on is he is returning from a multi-week injury. Week 15 was the last time he played. That isn't uh, too long of a break, you know, what, what is that? Like three, four weeks since last time he played. So, um, you know, I I don't think he's going to be rusty. I, I don't think that's long enough to really lose too much conditioning, but just something to keep an eye on. I know the Seahawks probably happy to have him back. So um, Quandre Diggs, Ryan Neal, the guys defending on the back end, but they, again, they might not be that busy because unless it's run defense, because uh, I don't think we see a lot of deep pass attempts in this one. Um, You know, maybe a couple Debo Samuel. Look, he did not play in week 15. Uh, we mentioned how he fumbled back in week two. Uh, he had five catches on five targets, 44 yards. He also had four carries for 53 yards. Of course, this was before the Christian McCaffrey trade, so Debo Samuel was still getting uh, a lot of carries for this team. And, you know, in that game, he was pretty efficient. Expect to see uh, Christian McCaffrey now getting those opportunities instead. Uh, so, you know, I, I, this this Seahawks team hasn't really seen the 49ers at full squad at any point this year. Certainly, like in week two, George Kittle didn't play in that one. Uh, I mean, week 15, Debo didn't play. Elijah Mitchell didn't play. So, you know, just some things to consider. Actually, Elijah Mitchell didn't even play in either game. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But let's talk about Brandon Ayuk and how he's performed this season against the Seahawks. Uh in week two, he had seven targets, five catches, 63 yards. In week 15, four targets, two catches, 19 yards. So in week 15, not as much involvement. Um, but again, it wasn't a huge passing game for the 49ers because Brock Purdy was uh, dealing or was limited with his oblique injury. So um, that could be why he didn't have as much involvement. Uh, George Kittle had the two touchdowns, as we mentioned. And Debo Samuel was out for that week 15 game. So also a little surprising why Brandon Ayuk wasn't involved a little bit more. But look, I'm showing here on the right side, week 16 and week 17 were some really good weeks for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, In week 16, he had five catches, 81 yards. In week 17 against the Raiders, a game they had to 
throw a lot for because they were playing from behind at some points. 12 targets, nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. So I, I would like to see a game like this from Brandon Ayuk, but given the conditions uh, and and what Brandon Ayuk does best, I, I don't think those things really overlap. So I don't think he will have a lot of as much involvement, but I still like Ayuk for having like a couple of clutch plays in this game. And if you need a guy to get open – Brandon Ayuk is your guy. He he's just very reliable in that sense. He's also been really good in in the red zone for this team throughout the season. So could be something that we see. Could be something to keep an eye on. Hey guys, quick break to remind you guys to like this video if you have not yet. Appreciate all the love. Um, thank you for spending your Friday uh, with me tonight. All right, let's talk about the Seahawks defense and how they defend against running backs. Because as I mentioned, this is one of the things they're not as good at. So in in the, the 49ers, it's one of the things they are really good at is, is running the football. So the Seahawks defense against running backs, they're allowing an average of 25 carries. That's, that's quite a lot. 115 yards, 4.7 yards per carry average allowed in about an 80% chance of a touchdown uh, to opposing uh, teams running backs unit this game. They've allowed 14 touchdowns on the ground. And not just that, you know, I mean, yes, I'm going to talk about Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to talk about Elijah Mitchell. But not just on the ground, but they also let running backs get loose in the backfield. The 49ers have actually been fortunate enough these last few games. They've been playing a lot of teams that are not good at defending uh, against running backs out of the backfield. Um, as pass catchers. So uh, the Cardinals were the same way. The Raiders were the same way. And so 49ers, they're linking their chomps because this is what Christian McCaffrey does, right? He's one of the best at this. Uh, the Seahawks are allowing an average of 5.2 catches, 42.7 yards, receiving yards, that is, to opposing running backs. Uh, so they've allowed running backs to score four touchdowns through the air. They're not as bad as the, the Raiders or, or sorry, the, as the Cardinals were, uh, you know, in, in this, but still it, it's Christian McCaffrey. It's still something to keep an eye on. And let's look at what the running backs did. You know, the last time that these two teams played, well, of course in week two, Christian McCaffrey was not a Niner yet. So we don't have anything to go off there, but in week 15, he had 26 carries, 108 yards, a touchdown. He also had six catches for 30 yards. So a lot of involvement, especially on the ground. Like I said, one of the things they're not good at defending the, the Seahawks team. And Debo Samuel was also out for that game. So, you know, Christian McCaffrey gets a little, little extra volume. Elijah Mitchell did not play in either game against the Seahawks this week or this year. That's something to consider because Elijah Mitchell, we've seen him be really efficient this season, I know it's a very small sample size, but he's averaging about, I believe it's like six, I tweeted it not too long ago, it was like six point something yards per carry. Uh, so he's he's been really, really efficient, 6.2 yards per carry this season for Elijah Mitchell. And the Seahawks have, haven't faced him yet. And like I said, the Seahawks are 26th in average yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. And they're 30th 
in rushing yards allowed per game. So the fact that the 49ers are going to have Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell in this game bodes very well for uh, the game plan of one, it being a rainy game, and two, the Seahawks, you know, not defending against the run very well. It it, it all kind of is coming together for the 49ers to, to have a favorable matchup here uh, with both of these guys available. Kels says, yee, what up, Steph Bosa and Faithful? Look, guys, I did put out a new Nick Bosa impression on my Twitter. It's also on my TikTok at Steph49K. So make sure you guys check that out. It's pinned to my Twitter. So, um, you know, I had to bring the impersonation back for the playoffs. You guys are always asking for it. I appreciate all the love on the impersonation. Um, but, yeah, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, Melissa says, Steph, before I forget, playoff Bosa, your best yet an absolute masterpiece. Thank you so much, Melissa. Uh, yes, I had to bring it back for the playoffs. I'll do one uh, before every playoff game. All right, l- but let's talk about um, how these two players have done together, both McCaffrey and Mitchell, in two games that they've played. And I, I try to <laughs> put these screenshots as um, – you know, to make sense as much as possible. They've, there have been four games in which both Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey have played together week 10, week 11, week 12, and last week, week 18. So you can see the numbers, how each of these players have done in those games. Uh, you see, I have Christian McCaffrey, both his receiving and rushing. And for Mitchell, I just his rushing because he he doesn't get a lot of uh, receiving opportunities. So Mitchell, as you see here, his yards per carry um, is very you know high. In week ten, four point nine yards per carry. Week eleven, six point six yards per carry. Week twelve, five. In week eighteen, eleven on that, and that was just on five carries. So it's a very small sample size for Mitchell, but he's been extremely efficient in his limited time and his limited opportunities this season. And Christian McCaffrey, um, I, I feel like he gets a bit of a boost as a receiver when Elijah Mitchell is playing. They kind of complement each other really well. So because McCaffrey, honestly, like I feel like as a rusher, he hasn't been as efficient. He um, and I think it's mostly defenses kind of keying in on him a, a bit on the defensive line. But as a receiver, it's really hard to defend against McCaffrey because he's a matchup nightmare. He's lining up against uh, uh, linebackers, you know, things like that. So I think that's why McCaffrey gets a bit of a boost um, as a receiver. And so you see his numbers when um, both him and Mitchell are in the game. He has. 39 yards receiving, 67 yards receiving, 17, and then 34. He also has a touch. He had a touchdown last week as well. And so, you know, I, I think they're the a great complement to each other. I'm excited to see both of them on the field. I'm excited to see Elijah Mitchell against this defense because we haven't seen it yet this season. So I'm really looking forward to, to this matchup and how – I just expect the 49ers to run the hell out of the football in this game, and I think they're going to do a great job. Nathan says, Steph, who do you think we're watching for the NFL Combine? Oh, man, Nathan, you are you are getting way ahead, my guy. We are preparing for a wild card round game, man. 
Um, I, I have no idea. I haven't even started thinking about the draft yet. In fact, um, you know, as soon as the 49ers are out of the playoffs, I, I start digging it into it and my head's just not there yet. So sorry, Nathan, I, I don't have an answer for you quite yet, but you know, as far as positions go, I think, uh, offensive line, uh, probably going to be one of those positions they'll, they'll be looking for a tight end two, a T two, uh, for, have a tight end tandem uh, with Kittle. So I think that might be something they can add. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, not thinking that far ahead quite yet. All right, let's talk about Brock Purdy, okay? This is the first time that he's facing a defense twice this season. Is is that, or ever, I mean, is that ever in the NFL? It, will that be a factor in this game at all? I, I don't know. One thing we got to consider, in week 15... Brock Purdy was dealing with his oblique injury. I don't even think he really practiced much that week. He was probably limited all of week 15 because of that injury. And so his practice time, one, because of it was a short week, and, and two, because he was dealing with the injury, wasn't much. So he was going into it limited. What he did, though, he was 17 of 26. That's a 65.4 completion percentage. 217 yards, two touchdowns, and a, a rating of 117.1. And that is all in Seattle. I mean, he he did it in Seattle. Uh, and so I thought it was an impressive performance. But, you know, maybe the Seahawks have seen a thing or two after that game, after watching the film, after watch having a larger sample size of uh, Brock Purdy now that he's played a larger number of games, you know, they might see some things on tape that, you know, maybe they want to exploit or try to get him into making mistakes. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see some of it. In fact, I think lately we've seen defenses uh, trying to get more pressure on him. The Cardinals had some success with that. The Raiders had some success with that. Bottom line is it will affect Brock Purdy to an extent, but you know, I think what we've seen is Brock Purdy's ability to adjust and, you know, not get phased by it and, and rattled by it, at least not for the entire game. So I'm not too worried about him facing the Seahawks defense twice. Like I said, I, I don't think this game is going to be pass heavy anyway, just because of the the weather. So I think they're going to lean on the run a lot. And, you know, that's exactly what they should try to do because you want to uh, win the time of possession and, you know, enable to, in order to do that, you got to be able to run the football. 49ers love to run the football anyway. And this is the perfect game to do it. So uh, I don't know. I think Brock Purdy's going to have a good game. He's going to be solid. This tweet from David Lombardi, he said, how are the 49ers and Seahawks performing entering this game? Here are the team tiers since week 14. Week 14 was Brock Purdy's first start. So since week 14, the 49ers are pretty much in the first tier of teams as far as performance goes on both sides of the ball. This chart looks at both offense and defense. So, their defense has been really good and their offense has been almost equally as good uh, or vice versa. The offense has been really good and their defense almost as equally as good. Now let's see, let's look for the Seahawks in this chart. Uh, they're kind of, they're in the seventh tier along with the Bucks, the commanders, the Ravens, 
the Broncos and the Raiders. So, and uh, uh, not to say that we should be overlooking the Seahawks because look what happened in that game against the Raiders. The Raiders came in prepared. They came in ready and hey, they, they gave the 49ers uh, a bit of a challenge a couple weeks ago. So, you know, for them to be in the seventh tier doesn't tell me too much. It, it, it doesn't tell me that they're not capable of beating the 49ers. But I think it does tell you that they're at a disadvantage as long as the 49ers play their game. Like, I just feel like in that game against the Raiders, the 49ers were – they were just not ready. They 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 just overlooked the Raiders, and and that's why they they weren't focused. They weren't prepared. So I think in this game, you know, they're not going to do that again. The 49ers got that wake up call. They needed it. Then they got like punched in the mouth early against the Cardinals, and then after that, they pretty much didn't look back either. So I think the 49ers going to respond in a um as they should in this game against the Seahawks. I don't think they're going to overlook them. Um, And certainly I don't think they're going to overlook the fact that this is their third time playing each other. I don't think they're even going to be thinking about that. I I like the 49ers chances in this game. Look, let's look at the rain though, because the rain is what we're somewhat worried about, right? And how much of a role it can play. As I mentioned, had a live yesterday talking almost exclusively about how the rain might impact this game. Make sure you check that out if you haven't yet. Let's look at the latest forecast. This is from about an hour or so ago. I checked this. So, and the game is tomorrow, right? So this is about as accurate as we're going to get at this point until tomorrow on what the weather is going to be like. The game starts at 1.30 Pacific around 1 p.m. Uh, we're looking at, you know, some rain, Light rain, 62% chance. Uh, Winds throughout the game will be between 12 to 9 miles per hour. So another reason why I don't think we're going to see a ton of passing or deep passing, at least in this game. You're going to see a lot of short passing, maybe some screens, you know, maybe some checkdowns. But I, I don't think we see a whole lot of deep passing in this one due to the wind and the fact that the ball is going to be pretty slippery. Um, And so it seems for the majority of the game, the rain will be light, but I think towards the end, it might start to pick up a bit. So something just to keep an eye on, it is going to rain. That's just the fact at this point, there's no um, avoiding it. Okay. And if you are going to the game, uh, you know, drive there safely, Make, make sure you're safe. And, uh, you know, bring the energy, you know, because the ticket prices are very cheap at this point. I'm wondering if Seahawks fans are going to try to make the trip because I don't think they're really phased by the rain living out there in Seattle. So, you know, just make sure you guys are loud if you go to the game and, uh, you know, show up and show out. All right. Let's talk about the keys of the game for the 49ers offense. One is win in the trenches. Because of the type of game that I expect this to be with the weather, it's playoffs, you know, things are going to get really gritty. They got to win in the trenches. All right. So the offensive line have to win their battles against the Seahawks defensive line and keep Brock Purdy comfortable, keep the, the offense upright and going. And then secondly, establish the run. If you do number one, number two, establishing the run should not be a problem. In fact, it should be rather easy. I mean, the 49ers scheme up a good run game and they know how to get, how to scheme up some good blocks. So 
I think they'll be able to get some good runs going in this game. And I think the weather it's favorable for a good establish the run game. All right. Lastly, protect the ball. This is a big one. The 49ers have been one of the best teams in turnover margin. All right. So they're not turning the ball over, but they are getting a lot of takeaways. The 49ers defenses. So if things were to flip by any chance, it might be a different outlook for the 49ers. They have to protect the football on offense. Um, and, you know, both defenses, both Seahawks defense and the 49ers defense are going to be looking to, you know, punch that ball out because they know it's going to be slippery. So they're both going to be fishing for turnovers. 49ers have to put an emphasis on making sure they protect the football because that's going to win you this game. All right, guys. Those are my keys of the game for the 49ers offense. And, uh, you know, all in all, I think this the 49ers should win this game. I think it might be a lower scoring game for for both teams. But look, I'm going to throw out a prediction here. I didn't think about it beforehand, but I'm going to just throw it out there. I'm going to say 23-13. How about that? Yeah, I think... I think that's fair. 23-13. I because I, I think the Seahawks, they're gonna they're gonna throw the kitchen sink at at this game just because they have to. They I don't think they really have a chance of winning this game unless they they try everything they they have, right? Every play. So um, you know, they're gonna try some creative stuff, some things they've they've never shown before. They're gonna try some trick plays. I wouldn't even doubt that. So 49ers got to be ready for it, but I think they they're suited to be ready for it. This offense, I think, will be way way too much for uh, the Seahawks. That's why I named this episode "Too Hot to Handle" because at the end of the day, I just think this offense is so talented that there's no way they lose this game. There are just too many playmakers. This Seahawks defense, even if they play better than they usually do, I don't think they're at that level where they can stop this offense. So at the end of the day, I think the 49ers win this one. Um, Melissa here says 24, 13. Yeah. Very close to my prediction. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty reasonable there. All right, guys, thank you so much for spending your Friday evening with me. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday and make sure you enjoy that game tomorrow morning. It's going to be morning, uh, tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be nerve wracking. It's playoffs, but Hey, we're, we're ready for it. Right. So Make sure you guys uh, tune in for my instant reaction after the game tomorrow and have a good rest of your Friday night, guys. Peace.